name is Bridget Thomas. Uh, my family and I have been serving and being blessed by Vineyard Cleveland for 13 years. And it's funny because it's actually 13 years this month. And when me and my husband were newly married, we were really looking for a church that we could be encouraged by, that we could be led to love by, but we very much wanted a church that was very much rooted in Scripture in the Bible, in that Jesus was the forefront. And so it was funny, when we first came here, that very first sermon was called Purple Churches. And if you've been around the church, you know that purple is equated to royalty, and so I didn't give it a second thought of anything other than that until the pastor began to preach. And he was preaching on, for my art lovers here, blue and red makes purple, <laughs> I still remember it to this day because in that moment I realized that I found a church that recognized that we needed to always remain in God. We were Jesus first, not anything else. And so 13 years later is why we're still here. And 13 years later, we're still talking about the importance of remaining in him. Let us pray. God, I'm so thankful for the time this morning. I'm thankful to share the words that you have shared with me, with all of us today. I'm thankful for the willing hearts and the willing ears. It is my prayer that they hear your words, not mine, that they hear you, not me, and that they connect with you, and that you stare within them something new today, Lord. I ask for new newness. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Emma mentioned last week, we began this series, Remain in Me, um, deep dive into John 15, focusing on us remaining all within him. And Eben has shared earlier today and even last week just the context around it, right? When Jesus had shared this, Remain in Me, what was happening, right? He had just shared it shortly after the Last Supper. So when you think about it, what was happening in that time, why Jesus was saying this, there was very much still some questions, right? Turn with me to John 15, and we're going to read today verses 1 through 5. I'm going to spend a lot of time on these verses. I won't always read them in order, so please bear with me. It states, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But you know, we can't read that like the disciples heard it. Right? Because we know the story. Right? We're all sitting here today, present day, 2021. Resurrection, right? Crucifixion, resurrection has happened. We know all about Paul and his travels. We know all about him reminding us, them and us, that we are citizens of heaven. 
But Jesus said it at a time where there were still questions, right? Yeah, I remember what happened at the Last Supper. <laughs> I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a little tense, right? There were still questions. People were still wondering, is this truly someone I should follow? Is this someone that I should follow in spite of the Roman guard? Is this someone I should follow in spite of the Pharisees? Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. And as Edmund mentioned last week, the vine reference was very important because in Israel at that time, vineyard, it was everything. Vines were everything. It was on their money. It was very important. In Isaiah, they talk about the, good, the, the, the vines that don't prosper. They talk about the vineyards that do prosper. And he's telling them, well, I am it, right? All the prophecies, all the questions that you've had, stop. It's me. I'm that, I'm that person, He's giving an introduction. Think about it. The Last Supper has happened. Everything is, is falling apart for some of the disciples. They don't, we know one was not trusting this anymore. He was very scared, and he's saying you can't, you can't be, right? So there was this sense of urgency behind the words in which that God was speaking, I admit I am the true vine. And if, and if anyone has ever done any type of introduction, you, there's lots of different ways that you can introduce yourself. There's, there's things that you can say that don't need an introduction, right? Like, I would not have to tell you I'm tall. Maybe for people online, you think that possibly the camera is bigger. It's not. I am almost six feet. <laughs> there's things I wouldn't have to explain to myself because you can see it. But for you to truly know me, there's things that I may give to you. I may, t I may share I'm a wife. I may share I'm a mother, but you may not know me. You may not know that something my husband learned after meeting this very exci overly excited, boisterous girl that I'm actually a very quiet person in my personal life. And so Jesus felt that he needed to do the introductions because obviously I guess the miracles that he's been doing just wasn't cutting it. So he had to remind them again, and he had this sense of urgency, and he had to be extremely straightforward. No more of those wonderful parables that we've heard. He was done with that. It's the same sense of urgency that I give when I have to make an introduction, when our son was sick and I needed to know the results of his test. I didn't call the doctor's office and say, hi, I'm Bridget. How are you? Living Willoughby? No. I said, I'm Gavin Thomas's mother. I need to know his test results now. We didn't have time for pleasantries because there was information that I needed to know. And Jesus, at this moment, he, didn't, he was running out of time, and he needed them to know everything. And he needed to just go straight forward, right? I am the vine. My father is the gardener. That's it. That's all you need to know. There should be no more questions. You should no longer wonder if I'm truly who you should follow. But oh man, wondering is what we do. Especially in the world in which we live today. We're not really pumped full of encouragement to allow anyone else to lead us or even protect us right? Self-care, self-love, self-motivation, 
So this gardener can be this, this idea of someone tending over us can be very foreign. To the disciples, it wasn't. Because as I mentioned, this was a part of their culture. This was a part of what they were used to. They understood that we have moved away from an agrarian culture. We don't really get that. I am not a gardener. I pretend to be often, and I'm often reminded (laughs) I am not. But as someone who appreciates gardens, I love Holden Arboretum. It is one of the most favorite places in Northeast Ohio I will ever attend. If you haven't been, please go. Shameless plug. We were, at that moment when my husband and our kiddos had went, we were trying to get some more um, flowers and shrubbery in our yard. And so I was just admiring what I saw, and I was uh, just so enamored. And, uh, but I had a question. Because as I'm walking through the gardens, everything is so pristine. And not too far, not too many days prior, we were having a lot of issues with some four-legged friends. My husband would call them adversaries, and that would be the kind word, because we're in church, (laughs) y'all. So deers eat everything. And so I'm waiting. So the whole Nabrina had this awesome treetop canopy. So we're waiting to go through this canopy, and I just can't help to ask one of the employees, hey, how do you keep things so great? I mean, like, it's amazing. Like, do y'all not have deer here? Is there? And she's like, you didn't, see the, you didn't see the gates? You didn't see the fences? No. And if you've ever been to Holder, and there is no fence or gate or massive thing for you to go through, so I had no idea what she's talking about. And she said, look over there, right? Many, look those acres in that direction. And there, in, in, the, in the brush, there was these, uh, it was wood and like cabling, and you can barely see it to my eyes, right? I didn't even think to look for it. But when they planned this, they knew that something could get in that could destroy So the leaders, the gardeners of the Holden Arboretum, they set up a peripheral that I wouldn't even have thought to look for because I was too busy enjoying the garden, which is what he wants for all of us because that's what he comes in and does. But again, I say this isn't the way in which that we live in today. We are very much... A, a very strong can, can do attitudes, right? You hear, I am the captain of my ship, right? I am in control of my own destiny, right? Any captains here? Any destiny guides? Maybe it's just me, right? And Instagram will tell you that we are doing great. We are in control. We are doing everything our own. But let me tell you, as a captain myself tries to be, it's not going well. And I don't even like those stupid hats, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So this is just was not what I was supposed to do. But but instead, we are we are trying to be convinced that we ought we should control it, right? But how could we? Hmm. How could I have, how could I even begin to know the interconnectedness of my life, what needs to happen, especially when I exist in a space and time that's finite, 
I don't have any visions for tomorrow. I don't even know what my kids are eating for lunch tomorrow. Hopefully that comes to me before we have to walk out the door. And it's because this garden is not mine. It's because that we exist not for ourselves, which is as countercultural as you can get, y'all, right? Because that is not what we're told. That is not what we're fed. We're very much, we want to be in control of what happens to us, but we miss out on so much when we do. In verse 5, it says, I am the vine, excuse me, I'm the vine, you are the branches. There's this awesome pastor out of uh, Dallas, Texas, Dr. Tony Evans, who um, is pretty cool if you ever want to, you know, look up, look up him in his church or his books. And when he talks about this passage, he says that we are the outgrowth from the vine, right? So you think about, like, the vine, right? And we're the outgrowth from it. So you have the vine, you have the branches, and then you have the fruit. Very much connected. And that we are, we are a product of the vine. In verse 5 it says, it continues, right? If you remain in me and I in you, there will be much fruit. Apart from me, there will be no fruit. If you remain in me, I remain in you, there will be much fruit. Apart from me, there will be no fruit. And if we are the outgrowth, that makes sense. Logically, how could I not have what I am connected to? How can I not produce what is being inserted, I am inserted from, or or come from, right? But what is the fruit, right? What is fruit? I have to admit, I'm not someone that likes fruit. I understand the irony in that. But I really don't like fruit. I really like my fruit frozen, maybe with an umbrella, with something else in it. <laughs> That's the only fruit I like. But, you know, in this, in this past 20 months, in this, 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 this time frame in which we've been limited, me and my family have done a lot of things. Probably shouldn't have, but we did. And uh, one of those things was strawberry picking. As I mentioned, I'm not a gardener. As I mentioned, I don't like fruit. So you're probably not surprised I've never been strawberry picking. But it's one of those box checkers that I feel like, right, happy childhood, strawberry picking is like on there. (laughs) So we're like, we're going to go strawberry picking. Now, I don't like berries, but my daughter loves berries. She loves them so much that I am that woman in the grocery store looking through every single strawberry box, trying to find the most perfect box to like give her in her lunch that will last for that week so she can have her portions because she loves them. And so I'm pumped going to this patch. Did not know strawberries grew on the ground, and that did not help me like them even more. <laughs> I was just only, I was a surprise. Um, I think I was like imagining like this like this like bush. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> not on the ground, but there they were. Right? They picked all these little berries, and um, the kids were just so happy. We get home. Right? The farm is only like 15 minutes from our house, if that. We get home, we wash them off, we have all these great plans. And then a few days later, um, the strawberries begin to die. 
I mean, they're dead. Like, I feel like strawberries are like, they're like fresh one day and then they're like dead the next. It's the weirdest thing ever. And I'm like so annoyed, right? I spent $20 or $30 whatever we spent on these strawberries that I could have got for $2 at Aldi. And I'm like, and I'm talking to my husband and I'm annoyed about it. I'm like, I can't believe they died. And he's like, what? my husband is a very patient man. Uh, he's very patient with me because my brain works very fast. So he likes to pull me back and say, what, what did you think was going to happen? And I said, well, we didn't have to go over the river and through the woods to grandma's house to get these berries. These berries weren't coming on a truck. They weren't coming through a barge. So I don't know. I was expecting like a shelf life of like a month. <laughs> he goes, baby, they, what, what? No. Okay. Do you don't, you know, you know. My husband likes to remind me that I'm intelligent. You know they pick them before they're ripe. And I thought, I am wasting so much time in the grocery store getting stares at going through these boxes trying to find unripened not as nutritionally sound berries to give to my daughter, whom I love. <laughs> it didn't matter if the berries were disconnected when they were ripe, right? When they were ready, when they weren't ready, because the rate in which they began to die was the same. As soon as the fruit was disconnected from the vine, they begin to die. And how many times will we settle for dying fruit? For berries that are unripened? Because we, we, don't, we don't recognize the importance of the connection. We think disconnecting, you can still be successful, right? The strawberry industry, I'm, I'm sure, is very profitable, right? They're doing great, right? But, but, but partaking of a fruit when it's ripe on the vine is a different experience than partaking of a fruit that's been disconnected. And the disconnectors, right, like myself who try to pull away to feel like I have received it all, I am not as beneficial, I am not as valuable, I'm not as tasty, disconnected from the vine, right? Because fruit is nourishment. And who needs nourishment? People that are starving. And as Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and if you don't have the bread of life, you are starving, So it's worth existing within the connection because the sweetness and the value that brings, that we breathe in that, that comes from that is so good. But in the scripture, he says, it's not just enough for us to remain connected in the vine, right? He says that you, oh, where is it, where is it? Let me read myself, check my notes. Oh, yes. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. 
right? So he doesn't, he doesn't just remove, he's constantly working in us. He's constantly making us stronger. He's constantly making more and more fruit, right? Because if you remain in me, you will have much fruit, not just like a little fruit, but much fruit. But pruning sucks, y'all. As someone who's not a gardener, I really don't like to prune. I really am looking for plants that are self-sufficient <laughs> and that they can take care of themselves. Because you know what? Um, to, I don't, I don't want to ruin anybody's bubbles, but cacti are not self-sufficient. I've killed many, so <laughs> they are not doing their own thing. And in my own personal life, I really don't like to be pruned. It is painful. I'm a planner, and I always try to get ahead of things. Y'all, I have wanted to be a leader since I was a little girl. I would set all my animals up in my room, and we would have a meeting. (laughs) And if anyone knows me, you know that's true. And so I had always planned as to what I would do, what I would be, and what that would look like. But right, when you plan, right, God begins to do things differently in you. I fell in love. We had babies. It was great. My little girl um, was starting kindergarten, and I did not, my day started too early, and I did not want her going to app to before care. Nothing against before care, y'all. It just wasn't right in my spirit. I really, really wanted her to walk to school with somebody. During uh, kindergarten, what is it, open house, whatever, we met a family whose little girl was in the same class that Emmy, like, connected with, and she was going to walk Emmy to school every day. We would drop Emmy off at the little girl's house, like, 15 minutes before, and they walked to school. I love that for her. And until one day, it was a Friday, I get a call from the mom. She's very excited. She's telling me how she's going through a lot of changes and, and things are going well in her life. And, you know, but she has to be able to, to manage all this and to do that. She can no longer walk in me to school. It's too much. And as someone who, right, I'm very much a leader. I'm a planner. I'm pretty, I'm very, I'm, um, I'm just very, I'm on it always, sadly. I say, is your daughter no longer going to school? <laughs> She's like, oh, no, 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 but my husband's going to take her. So why can't you take Emmy, right? Because we've been paying them. It's not like they're doing this as a service. Like, we're, we're paying them, and so I'm like, I don't understand. Who turns away money? And she's like, it's just too much, right? I, no, I can't do it, Bridget. I'm sorry. We can't. I'm heartbroken. We don't have a, uh, a lot of family that was available to, could, that could step in and help us, Right? And I was that career person who rarely spoke of her kids because I knew how it would be interpreted. So it's Friday evening. I have nowhere for our daughter to go on Monday, no way to get her there. I am spiraling out of control. I I don't understand what's happening. I'm at a loss for words, and I, I reach out. I talk with my husband, of course, and I reach out to someone who I love so much who is like a second mother to me, um, Sharon Forth. She's in our church. She's amazing. But, and, you know, I would say, if you don't know her, get to know her, but I'm selfish, and I kind of don't want you to get to know her. <laughs> so I'm spending 20 minutes complaining to Sharon, and I'm crying, and I'm, 
angry and I'm all these emotions and I'm just going and going and Sharon says something that stops me dead in my tracks. She says, I wonder what was happening in that house that God had to remove in me so quickly. And I was like, I mean, I think you just missed what I said, Sharon, for the past 30 minutes. (laughs) No, you know, and she's like, you sit with that, is what she says. So I sat with it, um, still very nervous, still very much planning, still trying to be the captain of my own ship. So I call my my boss um, Monday morning, bright and early, explain to her what's happened, explain that we've, I've already created a pathway for her after school. I just have to figure out something before school, so I'm going to be late you know, this week because I'm you know, really going to have to get someone onboarded to be able to walk her and take her and get to know her. I said, but you know, I'll stay late, and if I got to work, if I got if things, you know, I can take meetings from home, you know, all this stuff, and I'm like, I can do it, I can do it, I can handle it, I can handle it. And my, my boss at the time says, why don't you just be late forever. And you may think, oh, that's so kind. And it is. And it was beyond cultural. It it was so God. And I say it was so God because no one at my job came to work after nine. No one. If you did, you no, I can't, I can't even say like, if you did, what would happen? No one started that late. People started at seven, 6.45. So for me to walk in at 9.30 would have been huge. And I even said, oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, no, I, I couldn't accept that. I'll figure it out this week. She's like, well, accept it, because I don't expect to see you until 9.30. That was huge for me, because I am not someone, right, Captain? who lets people into my sadness. I'm not someone who asks for help ever. You're talking to a woman who worked the day before her C-section, okay? I don't ask for special privileges. I don't ask for anyone to make a big deal or fuss about me. And so in that moment, it became not about what this family could no longer do for our family, but it became about what God had needed to do within me. It became about what he needed to show me because you see me trying to be the captain of my ship truly is not disconnection, it's actually burial. I had put so many things in front of me. I did not want to be touched or handled. I could figure it out on my own and God just cut away at that, cut away at those lies thinking that I am not, I am not his that I shouldn't be cared for, that my pain isn't, you're right, it's different from other people's pain, but it's just as important to him. There is nothing that we can go through that he's not suffering with us. And he said, no more, you will go to work late. And that ability to walk my little girl to school every day resonates today. The fruit that has been created in that and our connection It's happening till today and six years later now. And I, from that moment, I got the courage to never compromise when it came to my children, to actually speak more about them and to rest in that I was 
living the life in which God had, had planned for me. I was living within the garden in which he had created for me, and he was removing all things that was not of him that would prevent me from continuing to bear fruit. And let me tell you about fruit, because today, as I drop off my son in the morning in the, little, in the car line, this little boy, who I question sometimes if he has emotion, <laughs> gets out of the car, and he waves to me as I drive through the turnaround. I have to raise down my window, and I wave to him, and we wave, and he waves to me for a good minute, y'all, as he walks around the building, and he stops before he gets to that point where he can no longer see me, and he waves one last time. That's the fruit that God had for me. That's what, he had, that's what he had for me. I could have no way foresaw that. I could have no way imagined that. Because I was so used to living on unripe berries that I didn't even think that there was something good waiting for me. That this small thing, right? I felt so convicted. Had I actually thought of other things, Jesus, maybe I would have a profession that wouldn't require so much of my time. Maybe I could be there. And so I didn't ask for help. But when we suffer, he suffers with us, and he comes in us, and he removes the things that are not going to allow us to bear fruit. So, t- so today, y'all, if, if there is something that you feel like is unimportant because you carry those lies with you as I did, that is, you don't, you're limited in the fruit that you can bear. You're limited because you limit yourself and you try to hide. Know that. Don't do it. Don't do that. He's a good gardener for us. He's committed to the health of us. And he's given us a strong foundation. He's given us a strong vine that breathes life into us. And so when you, when you read verses 1 through 5, I am the true vine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he cannot bear fruit, y'all. So when we read it, we read it and we hear it as if Jesus is speaking it with the same urgency, recognizing what it is to come. Because while the the crucifixion and resurrection has already happened for us, that sense of urgency still exists. We still need them. We still need to be connected into the vine. We no longer need to ask questions as to who's going to care for us, who's going to provide for us, who's going to help us, who's going to get us to where we need to go, who's going to protect us. I'm sorry, Cosmopolitan in Vogue, but it is not us. We are not captains, and thank God, because we cannot see beyond. This is not our garden. He's created us for good things. Let's just let the good things come. The fruits that we have touches and encourages everyone in which that we touch.
and what he puts in us is what we produce out. I know a lot of people in here probably love fruit unlike me. So I want you today to decide to no longer provide unripened berries to yourself, to no longer decide to have poisonous fruit within you, but to decide to be connected into the vine, to let them come in and prune you. When adversity strikes, don't respond to, I can't believe this is happening to me. Respond, I wonder what God is doing in me. Because everything that he does, everything that happens to us, he uses it for the furtherment of his kingdom.